Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Munganaz St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Hey, I'm going to start with this, okay? We're going to get into sports in just a moment, and the stick-to-sports crowd might get angry if I say this, but I think I think everyone will be on board on this. So you can protest anything uh, in, in this country, really. I mean, you know, we allow you to protest and protest peacefully, and people do. And you may agree or disagree with what our president and what our government has done in Iran, but for somebody to vandalize the soldier's memorial downtown. Now, granted, they are our neighbor, and we have watched them rebuild this building and work extremely hard to put this building back together and to put together a beautiful tribute to our veterans. But for somebody to spray paint no war in areas of the base of the soldier's memorial is way over the line, way over the line. Can't do it. So knock it off. All right. Now back to sports on a Sunday morning. Tom Ackerman with you, by the way. Uh, I have uh, good news for you. Let me let me uh, continue with that. It's a beautiful day. It's absolutely beautiful. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. It is a wonderful day downtown. And we have uh, the Patriots out of the playoffs. Oh, sorry. Did I, did I say that out loud? Uh, it has been... A very exciting, fun-filled sports weekend and a lot of good things to come. John Mosellock is going to be with us at 1130, and he's going to uh, talk to us about the players that are already in Jupiter. Now, the Cardinals are already working out, and he'll tell us who they are. There's an instructional league that is taking place, an instructional time uh, down there with Jeff Albert, who lives in Jupiter. And uh, we're going to ask Mo about this offense and what they're doing actually in their approach to improve this offense here moving forward with the Cardinals. And he also will tell us about the trade market and whether the phones might be ringing a little bit more this week. Cardinals, he told us last week, he cautioned everybody, this offseason is not over. Whether you believe that or not is up to you and me. I mean, we'll just wait and see. But if a trade were to come about, and the Cardinals could make it happen, would they? That's the big question. Are they capable of doing it? I think they check a few boxes. Cardinals have money. The Cardinals have prospects that they can trade. But there is an evaluation period still as to what player they would identify, what that player is going to cost them, if that player would waive his no-trade clause, what the team would want in return, and if the team is even offering that player as a trade piece. So there are a lot of things still to happen. The Cardinals are evaluating all of it. We'll talk to John Mosellock in particular. I want to ask him about his outfield because he has a lot of outfielders. I mean, he has over double the amount that you need to start. You could take 
a, a probably six or seven of his outfielders and say you could start with three of them out there. And that's not including Marcelo Zuna, by the way, who is still a free agent. At any rate, we have a lot to get to on sports on a Sunday morning. That's at 1130. At 10:30, Hall of Fame writer Rick Hummel will be with us. We're going to ask him what he thinks about the Cardinals offseason and what they'll look like in 2020. We're going to hear from the St. Louis Blues in Las Vegas after their loss in overtime to the Golden Knights. You know what's amazing, though? The Blues have never lost to the Golden Knights in regulation. Never. They are 5-0-3 against them since they moved into the NHL. They're the only team in the NHL that hasn't lost to Vegas in regulation, but they did lose to them in overtime yesterday, and we'll hear about that. We're also going to hear from Mike Kelly, the voice of the Tigers. He'll be with us at 11.15 to talk Mizzou. Both I want to hear his thoughts on Eli Drinkwitz and this football program moving forward, and he had the call last night as Mizzou played Kentucky in Lexington and lost to the Cats. We'll hear from Kurt Hunziker. He is the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks. They play next month at the Dome. They start their season. We'll hear what he has to say. And David Kaplan, my man from Chicago, the Catman, is going to be with us at 1045, right after Kamish Hummel, uh, to discuss the Billikens because he's in town to call the slew game today at Chaffetz Arena against UMass. So we do have a lot to get to. Do you know that we had football yesterday on KMOX? We had the first game of two. It was the Bills and the Titans, and it was some game. Here's Croft in motion. Off the play fake. They shovel it to McKenzie. He's going to throw it. Looking for Allen, who's wide open on the near side. He's got it at the four. He dives to the end zone. Touchdown, Bills. The call from Tom McCarthy on Westwood One and right here on KMOX. Oh, the Bills, they look good. They were up 16 to nothing on the Texans. Third quarter, here comes Houston. First down from the 20. Watson from the gun. Hands the ball, fakes the handoff to Hyde, now runs to his right. Inside the 15, to the 10. Cuts to his left, to the 5. Breaks the pile to the goal line. Touchdown, Texans! 20 yards for Deshaun Watson. He showed athleticism. He showed strength. And he put the ball in the end zone. It's a 16-6 game. He is a tremendous talent. Deshaun Watson and the Texans are in business. 16-6. Then they recover a fumble. They get back into it this way. Watson rolls to the right. Dumps it off the high to the right. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Texans. A five-yard pass play. The Texans take the lead. 17-16. They have come all the way back down 16-0 to take the lead with 437 to play in the fourth quarter. Let's recap. Watson scored. The two-point conversion made it 16-8. to Then they kicked a field goal 16-11. And then Watson to hide five yards to take a 17-16 lead. They went for two and got that also. And they're up 19-16. And the Bills are flaming out. Or are they? Here they come. Josh Allen drives him down the field. Hauschka wearing number four. White jersey, white helmet, royal blue pants. Picking from left to right. Good snap, good hold. The kick is on its way, and it is good. And we are tied up at 19 with five seconds left here in the fourth quarter. Again, Tom McCarthy, he's a great play-by-play man. It has the call 19-19 to overtime we go. Blitz is coming from the near side for the Bills. Watson doesn't see it. He's hit. He spun around. He somehow stays on his feet. Dumps it off to Taiwan Jones. Jones inside the 40, 35, 30, 25, near side to the 20, inside the 15, down to the 10-yard line. Kevin Johnson makes the tackle after a 34-yard gain. I don't know how Deshaun Watson got away in the backfield 
two different times to uncork that throw. He is phenomenal. And then the snap is good. The hold is good. The kick is on its way. It is good. The Houston Texans in overtime have defeated the Buffalo Bills 22 to 19. They came all the way back down 16 in regulation, and they win it in overtime to advance to the next round of the postseason. That they do on to the divisional round that the Houston Texans are going to play at Kansas City. They're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday at 2.05, Houston at KC Arrowhead Stadium. Wait a minute. I thought the Patriots were going to play the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. I thought Tom Brady was going to play the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. That's why Chiefs fans were so excited because they got home field advantage over the Patriots and they were going to welcome Brady. Oh, wait a minute. That didn't happen. The Patriots lost last night to the Titans. Yes, they were stunned by Tennessee. Derrick Henry, 182 yards rushing and a touchdown on his 26th birthday. And for Tom Brady, difficulty getting anything going against the Titans defense. And in the end, he threw an interception that was returned for a touchdown in the final seconds. Here's Tom Fody. I'm Tom Fody. It was a big upset in the first round of the NFL playoffs. The Tennessee Titans beating the defending champ New England Patriots 2013 in an AFC wildcard game. Pat's coach, Bill Belichick. Just couldn't make enough plays tonight. and uh, you know, It's always disappointing to, to end like this. And a big question is, does it also mean the end of the New England career of longtime Patriots quarterback Tom Brady? Well, let's hear from Brady himself. The experience of playing this year for this team, this organization, and, um, and over the course of my career too. So uh, I appreciate it. I hope I have always... Uh, you know, tried to do the right thing out there. And, um, you know, who knows what the future holds. Brady is a free agent. He's 42 years old. He's, for the first time in his career, a free agent. Now, he has previously said he wants to play until he's 45. Playing for Mr. Kraft all these years and uh, for Coach Belichick. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's nobody who's had a better career, I would say, than me. And, uh, just being with them. So I'm very blessed, and I don't know what the future looks like, So, and I'm not going to predict it. Interesting, you know? Where would he go? Where would he be? He says one thing, he's not going to retire. I would say it's pretty unlikely, but, yeah, hopefully unlikely. Well, let me give you some thoughts. The Chargers are a team that the quarterback situation is uncertain right now. They have some talent, and, the, boy, they could really use a boost to sell some tickets. The St. Louis Chargers. No, I'm kidding. The Los Angeles Chargers. They could use a boost. Tom Brady would be interesting there. I'll give you another one. Carolina. Carolina Panthers. I wonder about their quarterback situation and moving forward what they would look like. You'd have to think that Tom Brady would be comfortable with Josh McDaniels alongside him, but mostly that he wants some talent around him to throw to. And he wants to prove that he can win it one more time. This might be a way to get the Patriots to sign a little more talent at receiver to work with him moving forward. This just wasn't the same Patriots team without Rob Gronkowski, without some of his favorite targets. It was a good Patriots team. Don't get me wrong, but this was not 
the uh, dominant Patriots team that we've seen in the past, and Tom Brady loses to the to the Titans. They win it 20-13. to So the Titans move on. They get Baltimore, the number one team in the NFL, the best team in the AFC. They'll host Tennessee on Saturday night at 7-15, and then Sunday at 2-05, Houston and Kansas City. What do we have today? Minnesota at New Orleans. What a game that'll be down in the Superdome at noon today. Seattle at Philadelphia. That's another great game. That one at 3.40 this afternoon, the Seahawks and the Eagles. In hockey, the Blues fell to the Vegas Golden Knights. The final score was 5-4 to four in overtime. We'll hear from some of the Blues coming up. But basically, it comes down to this. The Blues had a 3-0 lead and lost it. And this has become a bit of a habit for them in losing the last three games. They've had some defensive breakdowns. And they lost this game by giving up some goals. Some of the names are familiar to you. Ryan Reeves scored. Paul Stastny scored. The Blues ended up getting a goal from former Golden Knight, David Perron. But in the end, they lose this game 5-4. to four. Robert Thomas with a giveaway. And uh, Chandler Stevenson scored for the Vegas Golden Knights, who since mid-November have the best record in the NHL. The Blues have the best record in the Western Conference, though. They have 59 points. They do pick up a point on this. Not much Jake Allen can do when he's facing Stevenson one on zero and ends up giving up a breakaway goal, and the Blues lose the game 5-4 to four in overtime. They've lost three straight now. They won a franchise or a season high eight straight and lost now their third in a row. They've been outscored 15 to eight over that time. So they have some defensive issues to fix. That's for sure. College basketball yesterday, it was Kentucky beating Missouri 71-59. We also saw a loss for SIUE losing to Tennessee State 79-74, but Southern Illinois won. The Salukis in Carbondale beat Illinois State 67-55. Elsewhere in the Valley, Loyola over Missouri State. I had fun watching that one last night with Dan McLaughlin on the call. 62-58 over Missouri State in Chicago. And Murray State beat Southeast Missouri State 81-59. SLU and UMass today at 3 at Chaffetz Arena. David Kaplan will join us at 10.45 to preview that one. Purdue at Illinois tonight. A 7 o'clock tip in Champaign. That's a heck of a matchup. Two really strong teams teams trying to move to the top of the Big Ten. It's going to be difficult. It's always difficult on the road. Illinois is much better team at home. We'll see how they look tonight against Purdue. We'll take a quick break. We'll hear from the Blues dressing room after this on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday Morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Tom Ackerman with you. It's 1023. Let's go right to the Blues dressing room, and this is Blues coach Craig Berube, who will be coaching in the All-Star game, by the way, this month at Enterprise Center. That was announced over the weekend. After a 5-4 overtime loss to Vegas. Goal and gave momentum. Um, you know, we come out in the second period, had three real good chances to score, and we don't couple on the line. Uh, that's probably the game, but... Uh, you know, we we let it, we let them score a couple goals around our net. You know, in tight. Uh, it's got to be better there. And um, they're a good team. It was a good hockey game, I thought. And we came up on the short end of it, but we got a point. Those, those uh, scrums in front of the net. How, how, is it just a matter of uh, getting a body on someone, or just getting everybody the stick? that's involved there? That's all. That's everybody. I'm not letting anybody off the hook. 
That's it. Nope. You don't need to explain anything. You got to be harder. Everybody. Goalie, everybody. Got to be harder there. It's, it's not, it, it doesn't need to happen. And over time, uh, what should Thomas have done with that puck? Well, it's a tough play. You know, I mean, I would have liked him to take it back. Um, you know, it's, it's a, kind of a quick play. Could have took it back and protected it maybe and, you know. That's, I don't know. What would you see on their goal? Dunn's turnover in the neutral zone and not a lot of pressure is well, you got to make a better play with the puck. That's, that's it. Make a better play. Ron was talking about how it got chippy. He, he didn't like what Reeves uh, did to Petro there in that sequence. So what, what did you see? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's just part of, you know, it's a game. It's That's hockey sometimes. And Reeves plays plays a hard game. And, you know, he's, he's going to do things like that sometimes. Like that's, I don't know, I don't know what you, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, no, just what, he, what that's his, you know, that's part of his game. And he tries to get guys off their game and plays a, plays a heavy game. Well, he's always missed. He's he's a very good defenseman for us, and not a, not one of the best in the league. So we yeah we miss him, but you know, and say now we're up to we got a three nothing lead, and you know we have a chance to make it four nothing. We had some good opportunities in the early in that second period. We don't make it four nothing. If we do, it's we probably have two points. You know, it's but in saying that, you know, we got to do a better job around our net. What, what's uh, the level of concern now as well as you guys have played? Dallas and Colorado kind of creeping a little closer to you now. Well, that's, the concern's always there. This league's so tight. I mean, that, it, you know, you got to keep winning. You got to find a way to get points. We got a point tonight. It's a big point. Naming names, but you've wanted Zach to be more aggressive, more assertive, and there are times in the game where he's not. What are you seeing from Zach Sanford? I mean, I thought, you know, he came back in the Colorado game. I thought he actually played okay. You know, he did some good things. And, you know, it's just, he's, it's, it's, it's not easy for him right now. He's been sitting out quite a while. And, um, you know, he's got to just find a way to, got to find a way to contribute, find a way to uh, find a role, you know. What did you think of Wallman tonight? He was fine. You know, he didn't get a lot of minutes. But, um, you know, I didn't think he was, you know, felt like he was under pressure that much. I thought he did a pretty good job and you know he moved made made some plays with the puck and used his feet like we said. Yeah. Do you like what the power play was able to do today? Yeah they've been good. The power play's been good all year. I mean they scored two big goals for us. Our player Kel did a good job tonight. Our special teams are really good tonight. You changed a couple of lines. What did, what did you think of it just coming off the game here? Did the Schwartz on the O'Reilly line? And they were good. Um, you know, I thought they were fine. I, I, I didn't mind the lines, to be honest with you. That Barbershev line, they've been together before. They scored a big goal. Did a good job, you know. Um, Thomas' line had some good chances, you know. Shannon uh, Thomas had a couple of good opportunities to score, so they were okay. We'll see, you know. Okay. Craig Berube, he'll be coaching in the All-Star game. Will David Perron appear in the All-Star game? We'll find out. You have until January 10th to vote for him at NHL.com slash vote. Here is DP57. <clears throat> well, I thought it was uh, doesn't take much for this building to get into it. And the, the scrum uh, that England started really got them going. Uh, yeah, we get a power play, but uh, those are the plays that they try and get involved in. And we Got to find a way to stay out of that. Um, yeah, so we got a power play, and they, they were a bit complaining about it. I don't know how, but uh, we got to find a way to 
to stick it to them when uh, when we get a power play there and then score one. When do you think there's uh, uncharacteristic mistakes in the D zone? Just seem guys seem tentative the past couple games. Um, I don't know if I saw that, but uh, yeah, I mean we did make mistakes. Uh, I don't know that. They're a pressure team. They pull out of pressure, and uh, again, when they, the building get going, we got to find a way to stay poised uh, through those situations. Um, there was a good crowd also in Colorado, and uh, same thing. Uh, we got to find a way through the storm. We've we've done it so much uh, over the last year and a half uh, with St. Louis here that um, it's surprising that we didn't react the right way. But uh, it's going to happen sometimes. Uh, we we got a big point. And uh, it would have been nice to get the other one for sure. That is David Perron. The Blues do get a point out of it. They have 59 points. But here are the question and answers for Barubi and Perron's first time in a while that the Blues have been challenged on some of the things they're doing. I mean, think about it. They have been, since a year ago, the best team in the league. It was a year ago that they were the worst team in the league and started their run with Jordan Bennington. They went on that great streak, and then they got into the contention and the momentum carried them into the playoffs. They won the Stanley Cup. They partied. They got uh, all all summer long uh, congratulated. They went through training camp. They came out flying. They've been terrific. Now, for the first time, they're really showing some signs of uh, issues, and it's so I mean, it's it could be just a little bump in the road and they get back on track. But the Blues are trying to figure out a real problem, and that is defensively where they have been a strength. I mean, the Blues are one of the best teams back there that they've shown a few issues, both forwards and defensemen, in giving up uh, odd man rushes and all kinds of things happening against them. So we'll find out. Uh, a little bit later when they play San Jose on Tuesday. And I would imagine that the Blues are good enough. They'll get themselves right back at it. We'll be back with Rick Hummel. The Commish is with us next, the Hall of Fame writer for the Post-Dispatch. We'll talk some baseball with him on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Mason loaded two out. Do it, do it, do it. They put up on the board. Mason loaded two out. The pitch coming. Knuckleball and a swing and a long one into right field. Way back. Might go. It might. It is a grand slam. Off the bat of Ted Simmons in 1975, hit a knuckler, Rick Hummel, the Hall of Fame writer from the Post-Dispatch. Jack Buck with that call. Ted Simmons could hit it all, couldn't he? Yeah, and uh, he never struck out more than 57 times in a season, I think only twice, 50 or more. And you got guys striking out 50 times a month now. You do. It's true. I guess it's just part of the game today. I like the contact, don't you? I like put the ball in play and see what happens. Put the ball in play and let these great fielders uh, make plays also. I, I, you know, I know we have a lot of great strikeout pitchers and velocity is up, but I certainly think if you're going to fix the game, putting the ball in play would be my number one priority. I like putting pressure on the defense, you're right, because even though these are big leaguers and the best of the best, they're not infallible. They might miss it. They might throw it away. And uh, very rarely is a third strike get away. I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. Uh, Rick Hummel is with us, the Hall of Fame writer from the Post-Dispatch, been covering the Cardinals for a long time. In fact, 
He was covering the Cardinals then in the 1970s. Uh, Ted Simmons finally gets into the Hall of Fame, and he is our top guest in the list of honorees for the 62nd annual St. Louis Baseball Writers Association Dinner on January 19th at the Marriott St. Louis Grand Hotel. There are tickets available. It's going to be a great night, Kamish. Looking forward to it on January 19th. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you involved, uh, as as always, doing some interviews and so forth, and, and thank you for that. Um, you bet. Yeah, uh, Jack Flaherty will be the, the modern top honoree as the St. Louis Man of the Year, and we invited Ted to be the recipient of the Red Award for all the years he spent in the game. He's still in the game as a scout for Atlanta, and when he got elected to the Hall of Fame, which I was hoping would happen uh, finally, it was kind of icing on the cake. He, we've had a, a, a recent Hall of Famer last year in Lee Smith, but this will be different because Ted Simmons will be going in wearing a Cardinal hat, not a Cub hat. Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that he has that Cardinals hat. Colton Wong is going to be there. He'll receive his gold glove. Giovanni Gallegos and Tommy Edmond, who were terrific rookies this year for the Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt says, I'll be there too. I'm coming to the baseball writers' dinner. So he'll be on stage, and fans get to see him up close. And Mike Schilt will be honored for receiving the National League Manager of the Year. Think about all those greats uh, with Whitey Herzog and Tony La Russa and now Mike Schilt as Managers of the Year in the National League. That's pretty good company. Uh, you've covered all of them. Where does Mike Schilt stand out to you? How do you describe him after being with him for a full season? Well, I pretty much go by wins and losses. And he was, what were they, 20 over this year? And they had a, they were quite a lot over last year. I, I go on performance and I see how hard the team plays, how fundamentally sound it is under him. And it was certainly a much better defensive team this past season than it was before. And a lot of that was because of the aforementioned uh, Goldschmidt, who uh, not only made just five errors at first base compared to 20 by Cardinal first baseman in 2018, but saved many other errors in the field. And Goldschmidt, by the way, will will be receiving the the Players Award, kind of the Daryl Kyle Award for for citizenship and, and leadership and so on and so forth. And the players voted on that one themselves, and he was a winner of that, and I'm sure he'll be proud of that. I think that's a beautiful award and a great teammate. You know, you look at him, and he's a pretty quiet guy, uh, but he is a, a great person to look up to. Good man, good husband, good father, good player, trains hard, built like a NBA small forward. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> he, he continues to put together great seasons, and even though his season was down offensively, Kamish, he did a lot of little things that helped this team win. We all know the obvious being that vacuum over at first base defensively, but I think he does everything really well, don't you? Well, inside the clubhouse, too, he's one of those do-as-I-do guys and not do-as-I-say because he didn't say very much. But uh, he plays every day, and his average is the only thing that was that stuck out. The average in the, in the high strikeout total last year, he had a 260 average and, and 170-some, 80, 180 strikeouts. He knows that's too many. And if he gets 34 and 90 or something with a little better average to show a better on-base percentage, he'll be even a better player. Another first baseman will be in the house. How about this? Will Clark's going to be there. Will Clark didn't spend a lot of time in St. Louis, but he was popular, that's for sure. I remember that day when the Cardinals acquired Will Clark uh, in a trade with the Baltimore Orioles, and he made an immediate impact in that 2000 season. I'd have to say, and I think you would agree, that other than a, a New York Met player uh, who, who used to play for the Cardinals 
in the 80s, or any New York player for that matter, in the 80s and 90s. Will Clark was the most unpopular player, the visiting player of anybody here, and it took about a week to change that. But he had a home run the first night here. He had a home run, I think, in Montreal uh, when he joined the team. And he went from, from public NBA number one to, to fan favorite, and he hit, oh, my, 340-something, 354, I believe it was, for the last three months of the season to help the Cardinals win the division and win the first round of the playoffs and get in the National League Championship Series. And uh, he was wonderful. I mean, he was he had that grit about him. And he also, unlike many other players, knew when it was time to retire. He said, this is the best I can do. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked his no-nonsense uh, at the locker after the game. You could always find him with a beer in his hand, and he'd answer questions and I just loved being around Will Clark covering the team then. Will Clark, one of the sweetest swings I've ever seen. He will be at the Baseball Writers' Dinner on January 19th, receiving the Burns Nostalgia Award on the 20th anniversary of uh, his magical run with the club. And then you're going to have Bill James there. So Bill James, the Sabermetrics founder, really changed the game in many ways. He's going to receive the Branch Rickey Award for Innovation in Baseball. Bill James' impact on the game will be felt for years, won't it? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's being felt uh, now. And, you know, this is sabermetrics is one of the reasons why Ted Simmons got in the Hall of Fame. He readily admits that, that all those walks and that good on base percentage he had when he was playing making, made him a better player 30 years after he stopped playing. Um, and uh, 25 years anyway. So uh, Bill is coming in, and I'm anxious to hear what he has to say. He was in the Boston front office for, for some years there. And, uh, he and his family are taking the train in from Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> That's good. I like Which it. I make him a bad guy because he lives in Lawrence, Kansas, but still, you know. <laughs> no, we'll, yeah, we'll put that aside. Lawrence is a good town otherwise. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, and then you'll have Bob Plager and Tom Stillman from the St. Louis Blues, the Stanley Cup champions, Carolyn Kendall Betts, who brought that MLS, uh, what part of that leadership group to bring the MLS team to St. Louis, will be saluted as well. Tickets available through MetroTix, MetroTix.com. Their phone number is 314-534-1111. The Baseball Writers' Dinner is going to be fantastic. It always is. It's at the Marriott St. Louis Grand on January 19th. Just a couple of quick ones before we go, Kamish. Just looking ahead at 2020, John Moselock cautioned everybody last week on this show that, hey, this offseason is not over. Uh, how do you see something coming to fruition for the Cardinals via trade? Let's say they're not going to sign a big free agent at this point, and a lot of them have been taken. What has to come together for the Cardinals to make a deal? Well, somebody has to like either some of their young outfielding that they have available or some of the young pitching, a little less of that that they have available. Uh, there's a lot of guys on their club, you know, veteran guys that don't draw much interest in, from other teams, guys with big contracts and so forth, and that you know people know who they are. Um, so if you want to get a, a, a veteran outfielder, they're going to have to like what you have a little bit more than, than what people have seen so far. Um, they're, they're, he's right. They don't have to do anything so middle of February, really. Uh, you know, people had looked at some of the guys that might be out there, like Corey Dickerson signed with the Marlins, I believe, last week, left-hand hitting yeah. outfielder. So there's, there's guys you could trade for. It's just a matter of how you match up. Um, they have enough outfielders, and some of these young guys might be terrific players if they get a chance. But they'd like to have a guy who bats left-handed. They don't have one right now. Uh, and in the outfield. 
what is the likelihood? I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to do this, but what's the likelihood? Because this is the one that gets the most buzz and the most clicks out there that Nolan Arenado gets dealt by the Colorado Rockies. Do you think it's likely? I don't think it's likely before the season. I think it's possible during the season, more possible at the end of the season. But Colorado has an unusual situation that they, this club uh, that they had made the playoffs the previous season. And with a lot of these guys, now their, their pitching went south on them. But what if these guys came back and pitched well this year, at least some of them? They'd have a formidable club again. And Arenado, who could get out of this contract ultimately here, uh, is might like to think they're going to be a winning team and stay there. If he sees they're not going to be a winning team again, I'm sure he will force the issue a little bit and say, okay, <clears throat> this is not working for me anymore. Uh, can you get me out of here? Uh, but that's not happening just yet. Rick Hummel, the Hall of Fame writer for the Post-Dispatch, with us on Sports on a Sunday Morning. We really appreciate it, and thank you for all the discussion on the Baseball Writers' Dinner. It's going to be a blast. January 19th at the Marriott St. Louis Grand. MetroTix.com. Get those tickets now, because here we are just two weeks from today. We appreciate it very much. I'll see you soon. Thanks for your time, Tom. You bet. There's the commish, Rick Hummel. We'll come back. David Kaplan's going to join us. I love talking to him. We'll talk Billiken basketball. He has the call today. And we'll also talk about the Cubs and the White Sox. White Sox are good. That's on the way. KMOX News Time, 1043 Sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. The tradition sports on a Sunday morning continues and always great when this man drops into town. He has the call today on NBC Sports Network. The Billikens taking on UMass. He's with ESPN 1000 in Chicago and NBC Chicago. And that would be the one and only David Kaplan. How are you, David Kaplan? My guy, how are you? It's driving through your beautiful city. I just left Shafe at Serena for shoot-around. Then we got a 3 o'clock game today, and then fly back up to God's country. It's always good to have you in town. How are things, and uh, how is everything in Chicago right now? Uh, everything's fine. We have a baseball team that I think has had an amazing offseason. Unfortunately, they're not named the Cubs. It's the Chicago White Sox. God bless them. They've done a tremendous job, but uh, the Chicago Cubs are, as we like to put it, mired in a little difficulty. Yeah, because I... since that magical night, November 2nd, 2016, when they won the World Series after 108 years, Theo, Jed, and the Cubs front office is batting about a buck 30. I mean, they are having an awful run from bad trades to bad signings to an awful job in player development. And that's why. As we have this conversation, Tommy, they are at the luxury tax, and that's after, after losing 20 million Hamels, 14 million Zobris, 11 million Brandon Morrow, 3 million Brian Dunsing, 6.5 Steve Ciszek, 6.5 Pedro Strope, and I can add up a few more that gets you north of 65 million off the books, and they're still over the luxury tax. 
and have not improved their team one iota. Yikes. And you had a taste of that with the world championship and winning divisions and going to the playoffs and all of that success. Does it make it even more frustrating for Cubs fans that the White Sox are doing what they're doing? I mean, the most recent news with Luis Robert uh, getting his extension, it's, uh, it's an exciting time on the south side. Oh, it's phenomenal. Sox fans are thrilled because you know, they haven't been over 500 since 2012. They've been in the playoffs one time since they won the 05 World Series. One trip to the playoffs, and it was quick. Uh, they won the, they called it the, the blackout game, got into the playoffs, won one game, and knocked out by the Tampa Bay Rays, and that was it. They have never gone back. So they're excited that they're emerging from this you know, decades-long slumber, and they've got really good young players, and they've got cost control on some of their best guys. So it's really cool. But Cubs fan, here's the way I would always describe it for people not from Chicago. Sox fans' perfect day is they win and the Cubs lose. That's just the way it is. And if they had to choose one or the other, many Sox fans would rather the Cubs lose than they win. But for Cubs fans, they're like, yeah, whatever. It's just the little flea that's annoying me, that mosquito I can't get away from. And they just care about their own team. They don't even pay attention to the other side. And I think that drives White Sox fans even crazier. But now that the Cubs have done such a bad job at sustaining their success, and now Joe Madden's gone and they got an unproven manager, albeit it's a good guy in David Ross, and they haven't added on, and Bryce Harper wanted to be a Cub and they didn't even make a phone call, and they have not engaged on any of these top prospects. Uh, yeah, I think it's starting to bother Cub fans. So One thing they all have in common, the Chicago Bears. Make no mistake about it, Chicago is a Bears town. And with the Bears not being in the playoffs today, that hurts. I know what went wrong because I followed you on Twitter all year. I watched the Bears. Uh, they don't have leadership at the quarterback position. They are really struggling in that area. What's going on there and what can they do to fix it? Yeah, see, I still believe in Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, a lot of people don't, and I understand why. He's had you know, ups and more downs than ups. He's had a few ups, but I still think he's talented. I still think there's you know, a, a chance for him to take the next step. The Bears this week came out and said, whether you believe him or not, Mitchell Trubisky is and will be our starting quarterback. So we'll find out. He's the only guy under contract now on the roster. Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray are both unrestricted free agents. So they're going to change that room. Now, what they do to change that room, is that bringing in two guys we never heard of? Is that drafting a guy in the seventh round? Or is that going out and signing a capable backup? Chase Daniel's a good guy, but Chase Daniel was a glorified assistant coach because he knew the system because he came with Nagy when Nagy took the job, our head coach, and he had run that system in both uh, Philly and other places, and so he could help tutor Mitch but he was never a threat to play unless Mitch was hurt. So do they go out and sign, you know, whoever it is that's a fairly expensive candidate to maybe battle with Mitch and maybe beat him out? Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent. There's a bunch of big-name guys that are free agents that may not change teams, but they're going to be free agents, whether that's Drew Brees, whether that's Tom Brady, whether that's, you know, a handful of others. Are they going to truly do that and spend that kind of money or – are the Chicago Bears going to simply say, Mitch, it's your deal, kid, and we're going to put two guys that cannot beat you out behind you, and we're going to sink or swim with you. That's where we're at. 
I always appreciate your stances, and I know you've stuck with the quarterback. It's fun to watch your interaction with fans. You all, you've inspired me through the years, having fun with our fan base. Our Cardinals fan base is rabid. They are uh, sometimes irrational and unreasonable, but fun. And passionate, and that's what I love about mm-hmm. sports, and you've always brought that to the forefront in everything that you do. We have a few minutes left, so I wanted to ask you about the Billikens and what you observe from this team. Travis Ford's team comes in with an 11-3 and record today, David, and taking on UMass, a team that they should beat in the A-10. What do you observe from SLU? Yes, this is a team that when you lose your best perimeter shooter in Jefferson, that, that's a loss because I question this team's ability to shoot the ball from the perimeter. They, if they make shots, they're a really good team. But if they don't make shots, then they've got their share of issues because you can you know, throw a double on Jordan Goodwin or you can try and you know, run two guys and trap on Hassan French. But if you can make shots like one of those other guys, they should win this game by double digits today. They should. That's just being honest. Uh, UMass is in the midst of a rebuild. The UMass's best player is not even on the trip because he's been out with an injury. They got another guy out with an injury. They compete. Their coach, Matt McCall, had great success at Tennessee Chattanooga. He is really intense, and his kids play hard for him. But he's outgunned. So if you take care of the ball today, and I just left shoot around to come do your interview, and as I was walking out, Travis Ford, blew his whistle, he brought his team together under the basket, I'm sitting right there, and he said, okay, we're one of the best teams in the country in offensive rebounding. I believe they're 11th. He said, we're one of the best teams rebounding the ball, period, in the country, and we're number one in our league. It's not good enough. And I'm challenging you guys right now, today, we're going to dominate the offensive glass, and we are going to dominate the boards, and we're going to win, because they're in their hotel saying, Boy, I hope they don't sprint back on defense. Boy, I hope they don't crash the offensive glass. He goes, if you'll do that, we will win today. And those guys got fired up, and I felt like I was coaching again. <laughs> you were. You were a great coach uh, involved in basketball. You love this, don't you? You love getting on the side. I've called games with you. Being on the sideline, when that orange ball goes up in the air, you just never know what's going to happen. There's so much fun in this game. It is, and it, the three-point shot is such a great equalizer that any team on any given night – you know, the way it used to be, where you could run through the lane, guys would give you a forearm shiver to the chest, bump you off your spots. The more physical team would always win. And then about six years ago, the NCAA said, guess what? Freedom of movement. We're going to let people play the game. It's a beautiful game. It's not a slugfest. And since that point, that's why you see upsets all the time, because you get teams that have veteran players. They're smaller schools. Kids don't go pro after one year. And they make jump shots. And when you can shoot the ball like that and you can make your cuts and set a screen and get a guy open on any given day, anything can happen. Great to hear from you on KMOX. Always good to have you on in St. Louis. He'll have the call today on NBC Sports Network at 3 o'clock as the Billikens take on UMass at Chaffetz Arena. David Kaplan. Have a great day, my friend. Talk to you soon. You, You too, my man. Great to hear from him, David Kaplan. Tom Ackerman with you. We'll be back with Mike Kelly, the voice of the Tigers, after the 11 o'clock news. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.